Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today is a topic that has been much, 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 much requested. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is the process of revision. Now, this is really just a very bare bones example. This is just us going through something that's very short. Um, If you really, really want Okay, I got I got to mention this to you guys. First, there is Holly has a free article on revision. I will link it in the show notes. She has a seven day crash course revision, and if you really, really, really want from the bottom of your soul to get through a a, a very hard, very thick, like two C's thick book, um, revision. My, you know, you've heard it a million times if you listen to every single episode. My whole heart please just tells you go to the how to revise your novel course get it um but we understand that again a lot of our listeners cannot afford the the larger classes right now they they just don't have it in their budget so we are going to touch on revision this is something that we need you guys to go into the forums and and find this particular episode and let us know what else we can kind of just touch on because we can't go through the entire how to revise your novel course that thing is gigantic and it would take hours and hours just to walk through like lesson one Uh, like the one b's (laughs) that that would take like three weeks worth of everyday podcasts just to get through kind of just examples so we are just going to give you as in depth as we can possibly be uh, the process of revision with a flash fiction example. Yeah, where we each wrote uh, a new story specifically for this episode mm-hmm. in first draft and then in revision. And you're going to hear both, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I am. Also, just, <laughs> yeah, just want to note, Holly wrote and revised her story in one day. You said it was like how many hours? Um, uh, yeah, so I, I did this in about two hours, and the first story is god-awful. I'm really sorry. It is absolutely horrible. And the second isn't great, but it's a hell of a lot better. So, And that was my point. I wrote mine in, like, it was three to four hours on Wednesday. I revised it in another three to four hours on Thursday. The reason, like, I have more time to put into to this than, than say, Holly, because she's she's got just a shit ton of stuff to do. And I have a lot to do, but I was able, I did take a little bit less time off of the revision <laughs> to do this, but you're not looking at polished work. You are looking at revised and possibly ready for a content editor or 
um, a couple of your friends beta reading, you know, friend, writing friends beta reading, something like that. You are not looking. That would be generous. Yeah. Even my revised one is, it's not going to kill the person I send it to yeah. uh, as the first one would, but it still pretty much sucks. I'm just yeah. saying that right now. You're, is... you're not looking at polished, ready to publish work. You're looking at something that could probably still take another you know, shot at something like that, but it, it's an example. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that before we got off into anything, Holly, let's talk about our weeks before we get into the process of revision. Well, uh, I have been revising this week. Um, <laughs> I am working on Ohio novel one and, um, I fell into it and, and counting up my hours and not counting the two hours that I did for, for the flash fiction story yesterday. I had 13 hours that I managed to, to get into the Ohio novel revision. Um, I managed in that period of time to do about five or six scenes. I'm mm -hmm. not yet to the halfway point on it. I, have, I am now at the point where I'm having to add a lot of new stuff because my revision notes, of course, uh, were fairly extensive. And what I discovered once I did once I put everything into the hero's journey framework, uh, changed a number of scenes that I'm going to now have to rewrite completely. So I've still got a lot of work ahead of me, Yeah. but oh my God, I love this book so much. <laughs> I do. I am so crazy about the story and the characters and I've just, yeah, it just makes me happy. And then you also put in the time for the, right. The two hours for the demo for today. Yeah. 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 So, and, and my, my week oh my god uh first i wanted to mention we've we've had a couple of emails about the apple podcast i've been told like oh your website is is wrong it's it's listing the number as um somebody sent in 76 instead of episode 86 at the time of recording this folks we're not even we don't even have 86 episodes out. Our most recent one at the time that we're recording this is 84. So Apple Podcast has the wrong number associated with the episodes. Mm. Um, just if you want to know the actual number of the episodes, alone with invisiblepeople.com, all the episode links are there. Or you can check a different podcast app. Now, different podcast apps are going to function differently. So you're going to have somebody who, for some reason, has two or three updates, two or three episodes on one thing. I know for a fact that when I put stuff up on Podbean and had to take it down and replace it with the not just me talking to dead air version <laughs> of our podcast, um, some podcast apps, unfortunately, either didn't update or took weeks to take down that version so yeah there's still some shit out there and we can't really control each one individually because there's what there's dozens if not almost a right. hundred podcast apps out there if you find a problem somewhere absolutely email me at show at alone with invisible people.com let me know i'll see if i can do something about it um that just was kind of like a note that i wanted to definitely get to you guys i got I finally started to see my pile of manuscript shrink by two scenes. <laughs> it is very, very frustrating. And it actually made me feel good when I saw in the, fo in the forums 
and I also got an email about the same thing. Um, people were like, it makes me feel so good that you're frustrated because I'm, (laughs) it makes me feel happy to hear about your, um, anger and frustration at your never shrinking pile of papers because they're going through the same thing. Even, even my, my writer friend that I meet up with on zoom, he's like, I was dying laughing because I've been there and yeah, yeah, it's, especially if you're revising something that is that was a wreck or that you especially if you're going through the how to write a novel course and you're kind of not really pantsing but you're half pantsing half plotting you're going to run into areas where you realize that you did a big part of the book wrong and you need to fix it (laughs) the entire first scene that started off the entire book, one character didn't even, I didn't even realize he needed her point of view until about a third, if not a half of the way in. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So like all of my write-in pages are like yellow, orangey color. And that's pretty much all I've got for the first. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's a nightmare. So folks, you're not alone. You know, that, that, that pile of white paper is mocking me. I I was able to get a few scenes done this week and it shrunk by two scenes, which is about 10, 11, 12 pages. It's like fucking a drop in a bucket, a drop in the ocean. (laughs) Sorry. But I did get my flash fiction story written and um, revised and I will go into that when we start talking about it. Uh, I I was, it's it's not perfect. It's not exactly what I wanted, but I was actually really happy to get it done. It put me in a better mood, and I, it also made me realize that I had to go back to the revision of the actual big book because I had a scene that I needed to move all the way from, like three-fourths in mm-hmm. to where I am now. <laughs> and I don't know how that clicked, but it just clicked. So I had to cut and, and tape a lot of my, my revision page, my, my focus outline. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. But, but the fact that you can do that is, is good. That, that yeah. there's stuff, stuff that's savable, that can be moved, that can be cut and pasted back in. At yeah. The, right. It means it's more white pages that I don't have that 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 can get off of that fucking pile. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that can go into the oh look I'm making progress pile. <laughs> it's yeah. It, uh, okay. So yeah. Anyway, let's go into the process of revision. Okay. Well, with the first, the very first thing I want to say about the process of revision is that revision and editing are not the same. Revision is what the writer does. You go through this process and you fix the significant major problems in your book as best you possibly can to the fullest detail you can before you hand off to an editor. Writers revise, editors edit. And there is a conceptual difference in how these two things work. Editing is going through and finding typos and spellos and finding places where you might have missed the plot, 
where you might have done some some wrong stuff with part of a storyline or or have have your character out of context or have your character doing something that character wouldn't do or finding places. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, this is not content editing, by the way. This is not what Matt, her husband, does. Right. But this is just, this is what an editor editor does versus what a writer does, which is revised. Right. Content editing is completely different. And we know you guys want to know, um, you know, Matt's Matt's opinions on that. And we are working with him to to put an episode together soon. Right. Um, on content editing and what that entails. But even before you hand off to him or another content editor, writers revise. And you have to do all of the stuff that we are going to be covering today before you send to any editor for any reason. Because they are looking, they need to be looking at a manuscript that is as close to done as you can get it. So your job with a revision is to get the story as close to done as possible. All right, so with that said, um, the first thing that you do, it, oh, actually, I think maybe at this point we should read our stories in first draft. Oh, God. I know. I know. Okay. And I'm, again, I'm going to apologize in advance <laughs> because my first draft sucks. So I'm going to let you listen to Becky's first because hers is going to be better than mine. That, that's what you think. Oh, I know. Believe me, I, I know. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to... Um, th- this I, I set... First off, if you haven't taken the How to Write Flash Fiction course, that How to Write Flash Fiction That Doesn't Suck course, go take it. It's not just about writing flash fiction. You can learn a lot by limiting yourself and, and going through this, this three-week course. Um, and then also by taking the challenge on, even if you're not going to publish it, go write some fucking flash fiction. It's it's fun. It, it teaches you a lot about writing. Um, and the but class I, is absolutely free. Yeah, it's like 100% free. That's, yeah. Um, but I set myself the other challenge. So with Holly's course, she limits you to 500 words. Uh, I set myself a second challenge because I'm smart like that. <laughs> I decided to use, um, we, we did an episode last year on language and culture, and I will, I will link the, that episode in the podcast links in the show notes. Um, but I decided, and no mom, it's not about the poop. I know you wanted me to write about poop. Um, not, that sounded wrong. (laughs) I, I, I have a city that is known for its pet, uh, excrement and uh surprises littering the entire you know uh town little pet bombs all around town yes yes and it's actually not the pets but this this is not that story so i limited myself to using only what i had created in that um culture and language workshop so i did not add any language I had to stick to the 10 sounds. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and, and I also did not add words using those 10 sounds. I only added a name or two. Um, and I only used what I had come up with from these stories or from this, you know, this um, podcast episode that we did. So 
I decided to focus on ZZ, which is one of the people that I mentioned. So if you have listened to that podcast, you're going to get the story that I talked about in that podcast episode. Okay. Uh, again, I apologize beforehand. It will get better. <laughs> um, when I when I write my flash my flash fiction, I tend to edit along in the beginning, in the middle, as you say in the the workshop. But then I let the ending go as long as it needs to to kind of pull out the little surprises or whatever. So okay. this is over. This is 900 and something words. Or no, I think it's uh, 600 and something words. All right. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> Zizi was supposed to be finding chargers, but he couldn't help it. There was a cat. A cat. The cat had actually led him to an open window and into a bedroom chock full of furniture right where he needed to be. He had to stick to the assignment. The last two he'd made mistakes. He was great at avoiding security, so he'd been designated wealthier areas. These humans had nice things. Zizi loved nice things. On his two trips, instead of quality black fabrics and power sources respectively, he'd loaded himself up with pretty fabrics pretty and useless fabrics. Boy, had he gotten in trouble. Okay, the first time the inventory manager, Ta, had sighed. The second house, Ta had been angry. He'd restrained Zizi and called for the overlord's right hand. Zizi, stay focused. But, cat! He ached to pet the soft fur, to hear purring. The wild ones weren't so nice unless they were littles. One little even lay on him, splayed across his lap. This cat sat on a dresser. Outside, he'd been a cloud of white in the dim. Zizi, being only two and a half hands tall, was short for his kind. The townsfolk referred to them as gremlins. Most didn't believe they existed. The Kataze preferred it that way. Average height was three and a half hands, just under the knee of most humans. Uh, side note, this is driving me crazy. Okay, back to the story. <laughs> he couldn't see the dresser top. The rounded edge, cat tail, its dozing face. He looked down at the drawing of the charger, port meticulously details. He really should not pet the cat. A charger might be up there. And he had to find the charger. He stretched in his full body, all black cloth, and let out the breath he'd been holding. Immediate regret. The head covering trapped the scent of the fish he'd eaten from the garbage. His breath smelled of human stink pots. Grabbing the highest knob on the dresser he could reach, he slowly climbed. Light of feet, silent day. At the top, he pushed his leg over, rubber sole sturdy on the surface. Pushing with his hands and core, his other leg and torso slid onto the wood. He stood. To his left, the fluff slept, undisturbed. A familiar white wire ran the length of the dresser behind him. A charger! He turned, and immediately his stomach dropped, and he felt both numb and electrified. He was staring with pure terror into his reflection. A mirror. Trapped! But, but the fabric! Inky black fabric and rubber. Non-reflective, 
drab cloth. It's not working. It was supposed to protect his kind, keep them from getting caught in the snares of witches, Zihek, who watched the reflection, who watched through reflections. Yet Zizi was frozen in place, spellcast. His chest felt tight. He struggled to breathe, petrified, making noises. Noise! One of the best thieves now squeaking. He felt the eyes. The cat sniffed the air, stretched its frame, turned. Hide me. Inches away, hissed, scaring him. His arms were weights at his side, head unable to turn, his eyes filling with tears. Growling began, peppered with more hisses. Zizi watched in the reflection a figure rise from the bed. His heart pounded. Not a little, not yet a big. Snowball. The voice broke off. A scream broke out. The human saw him in the moonlight. Her reflection shuffled around, and then he felt something whiz by his head. The mirror shattered as a book slammed into it. The window. He ran... Oh, sorry. The, the window. <laughs> He ran around the cat who swiped at him. He jumped from the dresser to the image box to the bookshelf, just missing another book thrown at him. He leapt in the air to the desk, a chorus of screams and shouts. The door opened as his feet hit the ground. He ran through the overgrowth into the forest, ripping his clothes off, running naked. Nothing could protect him from reflections. He'd expected to be taken to the overlord with his discovery. Ta sighed. Sewing duties, easy. Three failures. Zizi rummaged through the rejected loot gathered from his last two heights. If the black rubber and fabrics couldn't protect them, there was no reason he couldn't wear nice things. Ha-ha. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I was not thrilled. Uh, it didn't have the right tone. It had a lot of extraneous parts. Um, I caught right away when I was going through it that the... Um, talking about two and a half hands and how tall they were. And that was both me telling, but also figuring out for myself. Right. You were world building while writing. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of that in here. Uh, a lot of repeated things, a lot of unnecessary things. Um, but it's also you figuring out the story as you write. Mm hmm. Well, mine is entirely figuring out the story as I write because I had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I had to have it done. I had forgotten until the absolute last minute that I had to do this. So, and... That's why I messaged you on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I just didn't didn't get it done on Wednesday, so there I was. Well, it was late on Wednesday, so you said it has have yeah. to be on Thursday. So it was it was my first thing on Thursday, but I had no idea. I had nothing. So um, my first draft is me rambling around while I find an idea. So this is going to be rough, and I apologize. Um, I do think I kept it to 500 words. But <laughs> yeah, mine went over by 100 and something. Yeah, yeah, but it is 500 words of rambling. It doesn't have a title. It doesn't have anything. It's just, okay, I'm going to start in here. I was 11, skinny, too tall. My arch nemesis, Lorena Klackoff, had discovered on Monday that I didn't know who my dad was. She'd shared that, and my classmates had entertained themselves speculating on what my, mother, on what my grandmother had done to him. Grandma had a reputation, but she refused to get involved with childish school nonsense. So fifth grade sucked. 
just saying. Friday was library day, though, and when we trooped along the shelf to pick out our weekend reading book, I spotted something new, an entire line of ten slender new books with dark covers and a skull and crossbones logo. Tori Nightworthy, girl detective, had arrived. I only found it because of the fact that I'd read everything else. I signed all ten of them out and put them in my book bag and walked home, because if Mom got another call from school about me fighting on the bus, I was going to be in trouble. At home, I flopped in the hammock, and instead of crying, I started reading about Tori and discovered that her real name was Victoria, like mine, but nobody called her Vicky, or even Vicky with an I, which at least would have been cooler. Only when she saw it on my papers made my mom yell. Tori Nightworthy was a year older than me, a grade higher, and she revealed the truth. Stolen cat, alienated best friend, scary new neighbor, parent hiding bad news, new kid with secret past, cheating boyfriend. Tori used observation and deductive reasoning to resolve her cases, for which she was paid in fog-bottom chocolate candy bars. One to the case... One to take the case, two when she solved it. When I finished the tenth book, I went back through all of them and wrote down all the steps Tori had used to solve her crimes. They were, I thought, pretty good. I changed my name to Tori, too, though only in my head. I'd learned from the Vicky incident not to cross my mother about my name. I decided my first unpaid case was going to be solving the mystery of why Lorena Klackoff hated me so much. So I started following her, watching her, taking notes. Discovered that she lived in the big brick mansion at the corner of Grand and Third. That she had two older brothers and two younger brothers. That both her mother and her father called her princess. Not ironically. I was up a tree across the street two days after I made her my first case. Watching her head into her brick-walled backyard when my skin crawled to start when my skin started to crawl. My gut nodded, and suddenly I was terrified. I froze, barely daring to breathe. I could feel wrongness in the air. And then Lorena dropped to her hands and knees, began to growl, and changed. She grew scales, fangs, enormous curving talons, a tail with spikes on the end of it. She opened a mouthful of dagger teeth, sniffed the air, looked in my direction. I was well hidden, and after a while, the Lorena monster, monster went into her house. I waited until dark, then crept home. After weighing the options, decided that no way was this something I could tell Mom, but I had to tell someone. That meant Grandma, who was surprisingly sympathetic. She had me draw a picture of Lorena in her changed form. She nodded. She gave me a couple of fresh-baked cookies, and then she patted me on the head and said, I'll take care of it. You? You just forget it ever happened. She patted my head, and the next day I was surprised to discover that Lorena and her family had moved away. I was glad, but until I came home 17 years later, I never thought of Lorena again. I figured it was the Ohio novel as soon as you said something about the grandma. Yeah. But yeah, your uh, your rough draft is better than my final draft. <laughs> no, there's no story there. Yes, there is. There's it's... plenty of story there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's great. It's perfect. It ends. It sets up the character. Whatever. I hate you. Stab you in the face with a spoon. Oh, that's not a nice thing for a daughter to say. <laughs> 
no, no, especially, especially one that's, uh, you know, trying to write and be a writer and, and stuff. And, and then, you know, like your rough draft, like I said, there's plenty of story there. What are you talking about? It's, it it uh, was just this rambling thing. It had no, it had no, there was no rambling. It <laughs> was a story. There's plenty of story. Whatever. I hate you. <laughs> okay. So let's get into whatever notes or okay um so now let's talk about the revision process you have heard Mm -hmm. our first drafts so what we both did was we went through and we identified at least in our heads our story theme um what we wanted the story to be about uh for me it was uh my main character connecting for the first time with a process that she was going to be using for the rest of her life. Um, and for, for me to do that, this was, this was not that story, but that was the theme that I wanted, that she was going to find out the first part of who she really is. Um, and what was basically your theme for in your first draft? Well, it was, I, I don't really like what you could pick out of a theme for that, but it was, it was more about um, highlighting the fact that the Katazi have beliefs that aren't necessarily accurate, um, like the fabric and everything. Um, but it, it was more about just the character. I wanted to show this character going through um, just a funny scene. And I mm-hmm. found that the tone was completely wrong. In the first draft. Um, but again, this is something that you just, you find through no, writing well, the first draft. The theme that I got from yours mm-hmm. was uh, a, your main character discovers uh, a truth that yeah. runs contrary to his beliefs. Dogma. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was kind of saying with, they have some beliefs that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. He, he discovers something that he believes, you know, is true is not true. Um, the cat thing totally surprised me. I didn't expect Zizi to be going in there for a cat or to, to find a cat or to want to pet it or any I of that. I that. Yeah. I thought it was <laughs> really sweet. Um, so I wanted to keep that because it made sense to me because a lot of the Kataze are animal lovers. Um, the height thing, I needed to find a way to show, not tell. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not break it down just yet because we're going oh, to walk through the Oh, I thought that's what we steps. were doing. Okay. No, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, so the first thing is you identify whether or not you have a theme in the story. And if you have a theme in the story, you identify that. And we both had themes. Um, mm-hmm. the next thing you do is you write down what the story is about in 25 words or less. Um, mine was about a young girl discovering... Uh, through an unpleasant incident, a truth about herself that she had not known before. Mine was about how the craziest Kataze be, well, how the, quote, town crazy for the Kataze became said town crazy. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it was a life altering moment for him. And after that moment, he became known as that nutbag. 
that nutball, <laughs> that that Looney Tune, that that absolute just crazy kataze. Yeah. And so that's what this was about was, you know, that moment. Very nice. Okay, is each scene a scene? Does it have a protagonist, an antagonist, conflict setting, and a twist? Mine didn't have any scenes. Mine was just a ramble. Oh, okay. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. I can see what you're saying now. I had no scenes whatsoever in my story. It was just a stream of consciousness, me throwing words on the page, trying to find something that was worth writing about. Mine was all one scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stays pretty much the same. I, I always run into this issue where I have that screenwriter idea of a scene which is every time there is a new room it is a new scene right but when it comes to fiction that's not true right that's not that ain't necessarily so yeah 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 so like if a character walks to the bathroom and back that's not three different scenes but in a screenplay it would be so Mm -hmm. even even then it's it's one scene so i do have one scene yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yours was, was much better plotted even in your first draft than mine. Much better put together. Okay. Um, is Does the scene do something important? So mine, there were no scenes. So I, the, the thing that I managed to pull out of mine was what the story was going to be about. Mm-hmm. But as far as just it being a story, it, it fell down all over the place. Um, I can see yours. what you're saying because there's there's the there's the father question, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the popular girl question, the grandmother question, the what the fuck is she question, and then the detective question. Right. So yeah, there's a lot going on right. there. Right. There's there's a ton of stuff going on there, and it's not organized in any fashion. It is just this ramble, which I did do in first person, which I like when I'm trying to discover things. I let the character talk to me. And the character will eventually say something I get to use. Yeah. And that did happen with this. And when, oh, cat butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Batman. I'm going to hold him and see if that helps. Get some, get some that, more purrs. Yeah, that did happen with me. Um, in that I did eventually ramble my way to the conflict that I was going to be able to use. But it's not in the first version. Yours does have, so your scene conflict was it was very nicely shown with discovering that, that the world did not work the way that he had been told by the people who were important. Yeah. Um, mine, it was, ever, it was just all over the place. Um, okay, so the next question then is, does the scene contain elements that no longer fit? Yes. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there were some things in there that didn't fit. Like, well... I don't know if this counts, but, like, the description of their size. Oh, my God, Batman. <laughs> like the description of their size. Um, there there are some things in there that originally, when I first wrote the very first draft, and this, is, this was all in one day, um, he had brought home gems, you know, shiny, pretty jewelry. So by the time I reached the end... And I realized that this is about him, you know, his fabric, you know, changing his clothes. He doesn't wear jewelry. 
then I went back and changed the jewelry to fabric. Now, this is still when I was writing first draft because mm-hmm. it hadn't let it cool. This is still while I was working. <laughs> Steaming pile. Yes. Yeah. So that was one example of something that did not fit mm-hmm. that I had to take out and change. And there was also mention of um, there was one more thing that, yeah, I tried to get in the social structure that that was not necessary so I took that out as well and I think after the the version that you heard I pretty much had already taken out the stuff that I felt didn't necessarily fit right so it had been there in the first draft yes yeah yeah um my stuff that didn't fit was well I just had a lot of little details. She didn't need to be um, eleven in fifth grade, or or. Well, no, that that was finding out when the story took place was a big deal, mm-hmm. but the the dad thing was not. I, I had already known that from elsewhere. Um, the I the thing that really I needed in the story was to discover the fight between the girl in her class and her finding out that was the that was the thing that finally gave me a story worth telling was that she saw this girl for what she was um everything else was just this little backstory detail that it was kind of nice to have in there and in the revision i did actually keep a lot of it in very very tiny non-rambly form but it became, the story much more became focused on this one element of detection, of a detective process, which um, it wasn't. And, and this was a turning point in her life. She just didn't know it. And the thing that that's important, too, is, is that people notice that, like, what you're putting on the page might be important. Mm-hmm. It might be something that would make for another good flash fiction it just does not fit in this one so if there's stuff in this 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 fiction that that you really really like and you want to be able to tell people about cut and paste and save it to a new text file it just doesn't belong in this particular flash fiction it it could that's part of the limitations with this work and it's it's part of the challenge it's, honestly it's part of the fun is finding just how much you can pare it down mm-hmm. oh yeah Oh, yeah. Seriously. Being able to hit the 500-word limit and have a completely plotted, tight story inside of that 500 words is one of my favorite ever puzzle games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It really is. Okay, so um, the next thing is, what is the scene conflict? And for me, it was eventually seeing the girl change. Um, that was that was the conflict right there, and that was very weak, because there's a lot more that needs to be in the story to make that change important. Yeah. So uh, that was a big part of what I revised. My conflict was like I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just that that moment where where he freezes. He's full of this black clothing and black you know mask and these rubber soles, and he is supposed to be safe from reflections, but he's not. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was that was 
the the moment of conflict for him. That's, and that's huge because if something that you have been told is true your entire life suddenly proves to be not true, mm-hmm. that that is an epic moment in your existence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, is the scene well written? No. no. <laughs> How about you? No. <laughs> Uh, does the seam fit logically in time and space? Mine rambled over a period of several days without any breaks, without any changed locations. It was a, a chaotic, horrific mess. I liked it. <laughs> but I mean, I could see where you'd want to edit it. And stuff. Well, yeah, um, it was a nice idea. When I finally got to the idea part of it, it turned out to be a nice idea. But yeah. it was... It had absolutely no story structure whatsoever. It was yeah. a a brain dump. Mine mine did fit. Uh, it had a very very limited window, and it fit exactly in where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the scene full of weak words or irrelevant detail? In my case, um, I have gotten pretty good at not using a lot of weak words, but it was just chock full of of rambly irrelevant you know start to finish detail but none of the important stuff was not given weight the unimportant stuff was given weight um it was just well like i said a mess yeah mine was chock full of unimportant words and irrelevant detail <laughs> okay you want to give some examples yeah like i was saying um the the part where I was talking about the hands, like how high they were. Right. Um, <clears throat> ah! And then th- there was just stuff that, just little things that I could have cut and changed, like um, moving around certain certain parts, like his full body, all black cloth let out. You know, it. and then th- there are ways to just shrink it, which I'm going to end up showing in the final draft anyway but there was a lot of stuff that did not need to be in here but that specifically really stood out to me the the part where talking about being only two hand two and a half hands tall was short for his kind Mm -hmm. then the part about the town folk referred to them as gremlins most didn't believe they existed the kataze preferred it that way none of that is needed right that's all world building on the page Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's which is stuff that you need to know, but it doesn't have to be in the story until well, it has that's, to be. That's the part is that I was saying was important, right. just not for this story. So it's stuff that I want the readers to eventually know by the time they've read the entire flash fiction compilation. But not as a brain dump. Not as a brain dump, not as one story trying to explain everything about the gremlins. Yes. It's just they need to learn, just like in any other book, they need to learn little things here and there that really build the culture and build what these guys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my whole little exposition there on, on Tory Nightworthy and 10 books and what was in the books was um, relevant to the character, but it is not relevant to the story. Yeah, I liked it, but yeah, I can I can see if you're yeah. saying the story isn't about her how she became what she is, but instead the the fight between her and the girl, then it's different. Right. Okay, so that is 
the basic process, and I'm going to just read through the basic process again. And again, we're going to have links for you, the free download from my site, uh, the, the short revision workshop, um, the big revision class. We'll, yeah, I'm we'll going to link to all yeah. of this stuff in the show notes, but we're not going to have any downloads on the page. Right. So if you're going to download the free flash fiction course, you do have to create the account at hollyswritingclasses.com. Exactly. So um, the steps again are read the first draft of the story, um, identify, write down your story theme, write down what the story is about in 25 words or less. This is a story sentence that has the, the characters, um, the protagonist and the antagonist, what the conflict is, the place where it takes place, uh, and the important change, the twist. Um, after you've done that, is each scene an actual scene? Does it have a beginning, a middle, and an end? Does it happen in a place? Can you identify the characters? Does the scene do something important? Does it make, does it move the story forward and create something that requires um, action in the next scene? It, it's relevant. What is the scene conflict? Does the scene contain elements that no longer fit? Is the scene well written? And this is always subjective, but you do the best you can and you get better over time. Does the scene fit logically in time and space? And is the scene full of weak words or irrelevant detail? All right. With that, now we're going to read the second stories. Mm. I was so excited. Now I'm not excited. (laughs) I really liked yours. Okay. um, Now... I might have somewhat cheated. Holly has this rule that hyphenated words count as one. Yep. So I use this to my advantage and (laughs) I am at 507 words, but that's seven hyphenated words. So (laughs) it's 500 words. There you go. No, hyphenated words count as one. That's not cheating. Yeah, well, according to Scrivener, it's cheating because well, Scrivener's still saying it's 507 words. I was like, fuck you, Scrivener. There you go. <laughs> okay. Zizi needed a charger. He just couldn't focus. There was a cat. Moonlit, a fluffy cloud in the dark. He'd followed. Now, standing on the windowsill it had leapt through, he saw a bedroom, an obstacle course of furniture. The assignment. He'd made recent mistakes. A good thief, the processor had designated ZZ wealthier areas. Wealthier humans had nicer things. ZZ loved nicer things. (laughs) Instead of black fabrics and power sources, he'd brought back nice fabrics. Pretty, soft, and, so he was told, useless. He scratched at the all-black cloth he wore. Not soft. Not nice. The inventory manager, Ta, had just sighed the first time. But when assigned batteries, the fabric had made Ta angry. He'd called for the processor. Zizi, focus! But, cat! (laughs) He ached to pet fur, to hear purring. Wild ones weren't nice. Well, one little did lay on him, splayed across his lap. Zizi watched with longing. The cat jumped onto a dresser. He crawled onto the nearby desk and felt himself slipping. Smack! On the floor, 
Something soft settled over him. Net! Trap! Scarf. He jumped but couldn't reach the desktop. He spotted shapes on the dresser. Cat tail, dozing face. The drawing of the charger, port meticulously detailed, came to mind. He should not pet the cat. A charger might be up there. Well, he had to find a charger. He tiptoed, letting out the breath he'd been holding. Immediate regret. The head covering trapped the scent of the garbage fish he'd eaten, now smelling of human stink pots. Grabbing a drawer knob, he slowly climbed. Light of feet, silency. On top, he pushed his leg over, rubber sole sturdy. His hands and core got the rest of him up. To his left, the fluff slept. His fingers itched at the sight. Wire ran the length of the dresser. Charger! He turned, searching for the port. His stomach dropped, a cold shock of pure terror. His reflection. A mirror. Trapped! Black fabric. Rubber. Eyes. Non-reflective crap was supposed to protect his kind from the Zihik, witches who watched through reflections. Yet, Zizi was stuck. Spellcast. His chest felt tight. He struggled to breathe, petrified. Noise! The best thief was now squeaking. The cat sniffed the air and hissed. It stood, all amber eyes and spiked fur. Growling, peppered with more hisses, filled his ears. In the reflection, movement. His heart pounded. The human, not a little, not yet a big. Snowball? Silence, then a scream. Spotted! Her reflection shifted. He felt air whiz by. The mirror shattered as something slammed into it. Free! He ran around the cat who swiped at him, jumped from the dresser to the image box, the bookshelf, and leapt to the desk, more screaming covering his movements. He jumped outside and ran, ripping his ripping clothes off, soon naked and home. Black fabric's lies exposed. He demanded the overlord. Ta sighed. Sewing duty, Zizi. Three failures. Zizi rummaged through his collections. Black rubber and fabrics didn't work, so why not wear nice things? Cool. It's much, much better than the first draft, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I am not in love with mine either, but I do think it is considerably more solid than the first one. Well, um, first, um, as, as somebody who has just listened to both versions. Okay. And this might be helpful for other writers listening. Can you spot places where I did things right and then where I did things wrong or yeah. might need to change stuff? Yeah, well, you, your, <clears throat> your scenes were sharp. Um, where you had uh, you had a lot of meaningful action going on. Um, he poor little guy didn't get to pet the cat, and I felt so bad for him. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I loved the part about the cat. Um, I noticed that that you had made a lot of really short sentences, mm -hmm. and uh, part of that I think is pushing to give the scene tension. 
but yeah. it it got a little repetitive, um, just kind of in the middle of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that was that was basically all I saw. I uh, loved the story, and I loved the fact with, that he was going to go make himself something out of the nice cloth, since he now knew the truth. Um, it, and maybe, maybe even if you're going back through this again, mm-hmm. buff that up just a little bit more. You know. Yeah, I felt like him. there wasn't enough to that ending. To yeah. To, I felt like it focused on the other stuff a little bit more, and the ending didn't have that impact that yeah. I wanted. So maybe have him sew, show him sewing himself something cool mm-hmm. uh, out of the fabric, just sheer rebellion in his mind. Yeah. Because that was, you know, they won't listen to me, well, I'll show them. Yeah, I, I, now I can see, like, I'd start it, like, it would be a second scene where mm-hmm. he's just sitting there sewing and yeah. grumbling. Yeah. And making himself something out of bright orange and purple and green and silver and with, with sparkles. soft and, and shiny. And <laughs> yeah. 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 And and maybe also end it with something about he didn't even get to pet the cat. Yeah. Because I felt like that didn't oh. have a conclusion. Right. I felt like, like that part of it, because the cat swiped at him and he didn't get a moment to respond or anything. Originally, um, in the original first draft when he was running by the cat he touched it he grazed it with his fingers yeah so he still got to touch it yeah so i could either put that back in or i could have him sitting there angry at both the fact that he has been ignored and also that he didn't even get to pet the damn cat (laughs) both yes yeah so either 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 ending would be great but yeah i think it's i think it's important that you kind of show people what I did right and what I did wrong because mm-hmm. this is stuff that's going to help or what I haven't fixed yet. It's yeah. a better way to say it than wrong, but it shows people like, and, and as they're listening, they can hear stuff that I've done that I need to fix as well. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead and, and, and read yours now then. Okay. And uh, same thing goes for you. Please listen, you know, and we'll go over it afterward and you can give me your feedback. Okay. Yeah. I like the first one. I don't think I'm going to have anything feedback, but we'll see. You might, because there is a lot of stuff I left out from the first one because of the constraint of 500 words. Right. Okay. So, okay. Uh, the, I gave mine a title. This is Need to Know. Up in the big maple in our backyard... I heard the phone ring through the open window. Mom answered it, and her voice got loud, then angry. When she slammed the phone down, I knew why. Victoria Brianna Gage, get in here. She looked out the window right at me. I shinnied down, muttering, shit, shit, under my breath, while trying to look innocent. Not my strong suit, unfortunately. You punched a new girl at school in the face. She called me a dirty bastard and said, You and Grandma cooked and ate my father, I said. Two days in and fifth grade sucked. Mom paused and raised one eyebrow. I wish we could have, she said. I was suspended for a week because of the fight. Mom was mad that I lost my temper, but Grandma patted me on the head, said good job, and bought me a dozen books about a girl detective named Victoria Tory Nightworthy. I wanted to be her. Nobody called her Vic the Stick. Tory was cool. She used real detective methods like her dad, a big city cop. 
observe, gather and analyze information, make a hypothesis, solve the crime. Tori had a crime kit with a notebook for observations, dusting powder, and fingerprint tape, and a tiny gridded crime scene pad with little pencils and an eraser. It cost $19.95 plus shipping and handling and took six to eight weeks for delivery. Grandma, over my mother's protests, used my suspension time to make me a kit that fit inside my book bag, even knitting and felting a soft case for it. This is better than tin, she told me when she gave it to me. Nothing in a knitted case will make noise. When you're on a stakeout, you must be silent. My first day back at school, the new girl cornered me in the girls' room and called me a stinking pig and a filthy crossbreed. I didn't touch her, but I did follow her home after school. I climbed a tree across the street, stretched out on a branch, and saw her go straight to her backyard, hidden by a tall brick wall. From the branch, she wasn't hidden from me. She stripped off her clothes, and I saw a tail uncur. Saw her drop to all fours, grow scales and fangs and sharp claws, race around the backyard snarling and hissing until she flopped to the ground and fell asleep. I'm not sure why I wasn't surprised. I wrote observations, sketched her in her scaly form, and then realized the car that had pulled beneath the tree, and then realized the car that had pulled beneath the tree was my grandmother's 67 Mustang. I slid down, quietly opened the door. Got everything? she asked. I nodded, handed her the notebook. She saw my sketch, raised one eyebrow. Hmm, that's not good, she said. But your job is to forget until you need to remember. I loved fifth grade until today, 17 years later, I didn't remember why. Oh, that's awesome. And the title was Need to Know, which ties yeah. back to. Yeah. Yeah. Because See, 17 I, years later, she needed to know why. Yeah. Oh, man. The only thing that I could say is that I zoned out a little bit when you were describing this stuff about what was in the book. Okay. With the cop, uh, how Tori Nightworthy was. But, oh. but that could just have been me. I don't know, because sometimes no, I do that. But That's probably valid. That was probably too much information in that small space. Yeah, I don't... I Maybe, but, I mean, I loved it. I... I I want to read her story as a kid, you know, like I, not me as a kid. I mean, I would love to read her story of her life growing up, but I understand that you can't because there wasn't much of it there. Right. Knowing the Ohio novel right. series as little as I do. Exactly. But yeah, I, I love that story. That was great. So that's what revision does. You go through, you find all the places where you've screwed up. You find all the places that you want to keep. You build them into scenes that, that you, you make as tight as you possibly can. And if I were to revise this and then put it together as a little freebie or something, um, I would, I think, take out the details about what was in the book. Well, I mean, and... some, of it, some of it you need. You know, it's yeah. just, I, I just noticed that I had zoned out a minute there, mm -hmm. or not a minute, but just a few seconds there. And I was like, oh, wait, I got to get back sorry yeah <laughs> but no, that's but that's that that's why writers groups matter yeah. is so you can have somebody else read your shit and look at it and say oh yeah that, that got a little long right there 
Yeah. That's yeah. that and and the same thing with with like knowing that the tension knowing that where I had tried to create the tension got a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I wasn't the only one that felt like there wasn't closure with the cat. Knowing that you also felt like the ending was too short, that it didn't it didn't have enough punch. Yeah. Hearing that from other people can sometimes tell us what we don't know, but it can solidify what we feel in a way that is tangible. And if you're looking for a writer's group and you, you know, you, you're just nervous and you don't want to try like real life ones, we've got a great community, hollyswritingclasses.com. Mm-hmm. Again, joining you will get the free flash fiction course, which teaches you how to do all of the stuff that we just did today. And then you can go into the flash fiction forums and post for, you know, hey, does somebody else out there have something that they need reviewed because this would be cool? You know, if you read my stuff. Um, Do we have a takeaway for this episode? Yes, we do. Okay. Let me just let you guys know. You can follow us on the socials at A-I-A-R-W-I-P. On Twitter, Alone with Invisible People on Instagram, Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. You can find us, our website at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. You can find out ways to support the podcast if you go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us. There is also a, um, a little PayPal box if you guys wanted to throw a couple bucks our way. It is uh, on the top right-hand corner of the website. It's just $5-10-15. It's not a monthly thing. If you wanted to support us monthly, we've got a couple fantastic people that are giving us, you know, $3-6 a month. I cannot thank you enough for that. Um, It is coffee.com. It's ko-fi.com forward slash alone. That would support, you know, the podcast that goes to pay for things like a kismet and websites and stuff. Um, And then just share. Share the podcast wherever you are. If you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, if you're on something new kids are using these days. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, Also, you can tag us in anything. If you buy anything from the Redbubble shop, tag us. Let us know. You know, we got uh, tagged uh, the other day. I got personally tagged at my Argalardo account by Melanie who bought um, the the Airwhip notebook, and I found out that it has sort of dotted grids. So I'm gonna have to get that one, and I feel bad for having <laughs> bought you one with lines. That's okay. That's all right. I have I I got I got my spiffy thing. Yes. My, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Holly finally got a present that was from one of our listeners. It was a absolutely gorgeous purple leather coverette for her um bujo so you know and it it fits right now it's fitting what the show notes or is it fitting the bujo no it's fitting the bullet journal i went out and got a bullet journal that would fit it so that i just restarted my bullet journal from the beginning of the year because there wasn't that much to go and it it is so pretty oh it's just too i had to use it i had to use it every day so (laughs) the show notes are only one day a week that would have sucked so yeah yeah and now you get to use it every day and it has it has a pen holder too doesn't it yep yep right there Oh, so jealous. I was writing notes, so, oh, it's perfect. It is so cool. That was very, very sweet. It was um, a listener who has also taken Holly's classes and just just wanted to say thank you for all she does. Yeah. So, So, uh, again, we we love interacting with you guys. We love being able to to see all the stuff that you're doing, so please tag us. Holly, what is the takeaway for this episode? Okay. 
the process of revision, and again, I'm going to emphasize this is not editing, this is revision, allows you to uncover your best version of your story in a focused, systematic way, identifying big problems and big solutions that lead to better, more compelling endings. And by doing a revision, you teach yourself how to write the next story better. Awesome. And that is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I I can see the difference in my writing like just from last year or two years ago. You know, I to get better at writing, you have to write. Mm -hmm. A lot. And then and you, have, then to you have to revise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm just going to say thank you guys for, so much for listening. We love you guys. And we'll see you next week, Holly. Yes, I, 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 I'm so excited about you guys and about being able to talk to you. Um, I love this. We have fun sitting here and talking to you. And just remember that no matter where you are in your writing right now, you can do this. 